Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. It's exciting to win money. Back out to Allen. History final. Tie game with five seconds remaining. Is there anything you don't gamble on? Uh, not really. Gambling gods, fickle bunch. Oh, yeah. So easily offended. Gambling's not your problem. You're just an idiot. And we welcome you in to Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast. My name is Greg Frank. You can get me and all of my gambling picks on Twitter at UndercoverGreg. Joined, as always, by my partner in crime, Matt Siegel. You might know him as... Showtime on gambling Twitter at Showtime Cappers is where you find all of his picks. Hope everybody is enjoying the start to the new year. We're one week in to 2020. Uh, so I'm sure if you didn't go back to work at the end of last week, you certainly have uh, gotten your feet wet this week with uh, life in 2020. Matt, how's it how's it treating you so far? Greg, got nothing to complain about. You know, we are able to be recording this podcast, right? Am I right? I mean, watching sports every day. That hasn't really... changed. Say it again. I said that hasn't changed. That hasn't changed, Greg. And that means that my feeling for 2019 to 2020 is not changing. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I have uh, tweeted out last night. I did not have a good Tuesday. However, uh, I have not had a losing week since Thanksgiving week. So I am trying to uh, keep that trend alive, uh, but in a How little bit of a How many weeks in a row is that? Uh, I guess it would be five or six. Uh, so that's, uh, that's damn impressive. Thank you. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm bracing for it to end, but uh, who knows? Hopefully, hopefully it never does. Uh, all that said, 
we record twice a week. At least we try to. Uh, schedules obviously can always get in the way of some things, but um, if you are listening to this edition of Full Slate, anytime it's during the middle of the week, we're always going to give you picks for that day on the ice and on the hardwood, both in the college ranks and the National Basketball Association. We're back in 48 hours on Friday. We'll release our pod for the uh, NFL Divisional Weekend. Uh, so four more games, best weekend in the NFL. Matt, I guess uh, without giving out any picks yet there, just uh, any observations that before we get into our Wednesday picks, just observations from Wild Card Weekend and things you're most looking forward to in the divisional round? Yeah, Greg, so Wild Card Weekend was wild, to say the least. It you was. Know, there were no a lot of pun games. intended there. I mean, let's just run down the list, right, Greg? And, oh, yeah, we don't have to run down. All four games ended in a one-possession game. Uh, a winner by three points, a winner by seven, a winner by six, and a winner by eight. So and an overtime four, game, uh, two overtime games, Greg. You know, oh, don't right. forget, yeah, two overtime games, Greg. Um, the Patriots and the Titans game. We remember that game ended on the last play of the game, essentially. You know, when the Patriots had a chance to go down the field and take a field goal to score, they obviously had a pick six. And, you know, the Eagles came up short, multiple fourth down attempts, trying to get the game tying touchdown, a two point conversion. And the Seahawks ended up icing the game with the first down they needed. So I would say all four games were thrillers. Uh, you know, three out of four dogs covered. All three dogs that covered one outright. All four games went under. Uh, three out of four games went under the first half total. Three out of four games went under the second half total. And three out of four dogs covered the second half. So we got dogs and unders. You know, that's exactly what most people don't want to see. But, Greg, we love to see it. Yeah, and, you know, I'm glad you mentioned that, especially with the under angle, because I think in playoffs, you kind of would think that intensity is going to ramp up. And how often when you're handicapping a sport in the regular season, if you do like the game under the total in whatever sport it may be, do you say, uh, you know, there's probably going to be a little bit more intensity. There's going to be a little more defense. They're going to, and normally intensity and defense go hand in hand. Cause there's a lot of things on defense that are just effort based uh, in addition to the athleticism. So, you know, obviously, it's not going to get more intense for football players than playing at this time of year in the National Football League. So uh, it's definitely something to keep an eye on. But as you said, unders were very profitable in wild card weekend. And just to get to some takeaways other than just to rattle off what happened. Sure. You know, kind of just to go more into it, like you said, um, and give it without giving too much away, like you said, for this weekend. Greg, let's just go over out of the four winners. um. Who is the most dangerous team who won on Wild Card Weekend, in your opinion? That's a good question. And the most dangerous and the least dangerous. Well, the least dangerous has to be Houston because I think that that. Wow. Was okay, that's quick. That was a quick response. Yeah, because I think that was a game that both teams were like. It looked like both teams were trying to lose that game, and ultimately Houston survived. Uh, Josh Allen just was a mess in that second half. Um, and there wasn't much 
like the two ends should have tackled Watson there. Give him some credit, but that should have been a sack. Buffalo. I allowed, agree. I mean, don't don't forget the Texans did walk into Arrowhead and and, and beat the. They Chiefs. did. They did. I know. Um, but Andy Reid with extra time to prepare. Gosh, it, it there's not much that's making me like the Texans here. Um, so I would give them for my least dangerous, and then my most dangerous. You know, I'm not going to blame anybody if they say Seattle, and maybe that's your pick. But my most dangerous. Um, I'm actually going to go with the Tennessee Titans because I think there's something that they do. They got those big offensive linemen, Roger Saffold over from the Rams, Taylor Lewan, just guys that mammoths that when they start getting that punt, that fire off the snap and pushing the D line back the way they were at different times on Saturday. With a back like Derrick Henry, 6'4", 245, who finishes runs so physically, there's just something that can really impose you with the Titans, where it's like they're not afraid of you. They're coming right at you. They're going to play smash-mouth football. And, oh, by the way, while he didn't play that well on Saturday, Ryan Tannehill was excellent down the stretch of the regular season. So I think the Titans are very dangerous, and I think they have a chance to win in Baltimore on Saturday night. But obviously we'll talk more about that over the weekend. How about yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna have to go, like you said. I'm gonna go right to Seattle. They're my least dangerous team. Um, Seattle has only won <clears throat> one game, Greg, this year by more than one possession. Yeah. So you know, I understand that they um that this is the kind of football they play. You know, and by saying that, I mean with Russell Wilson and his magic, his bag of magic tricks that we've seen over the years and how they've won. But at the end of the day, they're not dominating teams, right? So I, so by process of elimination, I'm going to put them as the least dangerous because especially since we already know this Texans team has beaten this Chiefs team. And we've seen the Texans... The Texans are just an interesting team because I think they're inconsistent. We've seen when they play at their best and Watson is going and their team is kicking on all cylinders. They can be one of the most dangerous teams in the NFL. But we've also seen them then play down to their competition and stumble and struggle early out the gates and make it harder for themselves and have to come back. So I'm fine if you're picking Texans. I think the Texans and Seattle, you know, obviously over. D- d- forget who these four teams are playing. I think Texans or Seattle has to be the pick for the least dangerous. And I'm going to go right to uh, your new hometown team, Greg. <laughs> and that's going to be the Minnesota Vikings that the most yeah, dangerous for me. Is, I thought about them too. And this is a real simple one for me. Most dangerous, why? Out of these four teams, Frankly, the Vikings have the most lethal offense out of the four winning teams, in my opinion. I understand what the Titans have been doing. But, Greg, I really think that that win on the road, in overtime, not even handing the ball back to Drew Brees and the Saints, that's the kind of win that a quarterback like Kirk Cousins takes, puts in his back pocket, uses to block out all the haters and the yeah. criticism all year. And this is his time. Like it's the NFL is such no, a that's weird a great point. And you think about it, Matt, 
Like, I know that that was the prime Kirk Cousins spot, you know, the 1 o'clock Eastern start, but it was still a playoff game. It was his first playoff win, and I think it's something to consider not just for this weekend against San Francisco because, ironically enough, now Jimmy Garoppolo is the quarterback that really needs to prove himself in his first playoff start. But also moving forward, like, I I do think that maybe this win – maybe quells like when we're looking at the regular season next year, maybe it quells some of our concerns about Kirk Cousins in prime time, because those are big games. And now this is somebody that beat Drew Brees in his barn in the playoffs. So Greg, I'm not going to go that far. I'm still going to look at Kirk Cousins as a deer in the headlights when he's playing under the lights until proven otherwise. But Greg, as long as he's playing in the daytime, and let me tell you, he's playing in the daytime, 1 p.m. West Coast time, 4.30 Eastern time. But in his time zone, that's 1 p.m., that's right after lunch, and that's when he plays his best. So I I don't see why this Vikings team is not the most lethal. I feel like they have been underachieving all year, and maybe that was due to Adam Thielen, you know, Going down, he's clearly a big part of the offense. Look what he did last game. Sure, now oh, he looks to be back fully healthy. You know, and don't forget, this was a top receiver in the league last year. It's yeah. real easy in the NFL, Greg, to get caught up in what's going on right now. What have you done for me lately? It's because in the NBA, right, you can have a player who's dominating for ten years in the NFL. You're going to have your guys that dominate, but then you're going to have guys that, like, break out here and there, but they don't stay totally consistent, you know? And so maybe Adam Thielen hasn't dominated for, say, six, seven, eight years like a Julio Jones, but last year, but the year before that, and last year, Adam Thielen has been a top receiver in the league. And we forget that because not only was he hurt this year, he also played a few games banged up. So we've seen some poor performances, but were they poor performances or was he just not totally 100%? Anyway, I think this is a big confidence booster. My The Minnesota Vikings are my most dangerous team and my least dangerous team are the Seattle Seahawks. But anyway, we're going to get into the full NFL divisional round breakdown. My Last picks question, are already though, out. Say it again. I want to ask you, uh, what do you think is going to happen with Tom Brady? Oh, I, 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 it's not, it's, it's, it's not even a question and people should stop asking it. Tom Brady's going to come back. Um, it's pretty okay. obvious. The, 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 the competitor saying, say it again, come back to new England. You're saying not yeah, go to another yeah, team. Yeah. Tom, yeah. Tom Brady's not going to leave new England, um, on a, on a pick six like that at home against the Tennessee Titans. I promise you that. And if he does leave Greg. That's going to be because the Patriots are the Patriots and they're going to do what they do and and not care about the player and just look at the organization and the money. I have a feeling that Tom Brady might be a little different than every single other player that's locked in that locker room, but we'll see. But Tom Brady's 110% not racking up his cleats. And to be honest, I, I don't buy all the hoopla about Tom Brady, you know, not playing for the Patriots if he doesn't. If unless they don't want him to, I, I don't see him leaving. But let's get to today because that's what we're concerned about. We got yeah. time for NFL, and we will, um, you know, dive right into today's picks. Starting with the NBA, Greg. Let me hear your first play. 
Yeah, I only have one pick in the NBA tonight, and I am going to go to the Big D, uh, where I'm going to look to the, uh, I think it's safe to call him the MVP frontrunner, Luka Doncic and company. Um, and I am going to lay the three with the Dallas Mavericks at home against the Denver Nuggets. Uh, total of 220.5 in this, if you're interested in the total. But I am going to go with Dallas minus the three Greg, against Denver. I don't yes. mean to interrupt you, but uh, this is a full consensus play from um, with me as well. I will, I will, con- I will consensus this play. Well, that's good to know because I didn't know what your plays were in the NBA. We just kind of said that we're going to go NBA, college basketball, NHL for our plays. Denver is wrapping up a decently lengthy road trip. The Nuggets have not played a home game yet in 2020. That will change uh, at the end of the week when they get back to the Mile High City. Uh, And, you know, this is a game for the Mavericks where regular season game against the Nuggets, who are second in the Western Conference standings right now. Uh, You know, a team like Dallas that is kind of on the rise here and, um, you know, really is trying to send a statement to teams like Denver that have been playing into the middle of May. Uh, I think this is the best chance you get to do that. And as I said, more than anything else, uh, with Denver wrapping up a long road trip, they don't uh, play at home until Saturday, January the 11th. So that's their first home game for the new year. Uh, This was a, I'll count them up now, one, two, three. This is the fifth of a five-game road trip. Normally in the NBA, it doesn't get much longer than a five- or six-game road trip that spans about a week and a half, two weeks. So I just think, uh, and they did just play a bit of a track meet against the Hawks, 123-115. So I think, uh, especially come the second half, legs maybe get a little tired for the Nuggets and the Mavs go ahead and win this one. Yeah, Greg, as I said, I'm on a full consensus play here. Um, Anytime I get, you know, the Mavs at home on a short line, it's going to be an auto look because this Mavs team is is good. And and I, I really am a believer in them. I think they're a top team in the West. And I actually think that they are um, a top four team in the West. And depending on how the bracket shakes out, I think they could easily wind up and find themselves in the Western Conference playoffs. I'm serious, Greg. I know that's jumping the gun a little bit on a young Mavs team, but... Luka Doncic is certainly not. You, said, you mean Western Conference Finals? You said Western, Western Conference Com- Playoffs. Yeah, excuse me, Western Conference Finals, yes. Um, and that's assuming that if the bracket shakes out where the Clippers and Lakers would meet before the Western Conference Finals. Um, that's that's what I'm that's what I'm uh, implying there. And with the Lakers at one now and the Clippers at four, obviously only separated by a couple games. You know, that's going to come all the way down to the, to the end. But, you know, this Mavs team sitting at six, I still see them one of the more dangerous teams. And it's really interesting this year, Greg, because I feel like all of a sudden the powers in the NBA have shifted. I don't know about you, but I just feel like the East is now all of a sudden way better than the West. Maybe I'm mistaken there. Maybe I'm jumping the gun. It's been impressive the depth of the East when you look at Indiana having managed to stay afloat without Victor Oladipo and they'll get him back uh, relatively soon, I think. Um, and then Miami has been a surprise and Boston being this good, I think has been a little bit of a surprise. And the- yeah, Miami and Boston, like you said. And remember, you know, the Nets are still sitting at that eight spot and they don't have Kyrie and they haven't had... um. 
you know, Dinwiddie, he's missed time. People have missed time for the Nets. And, oh, yeah, next year they get Kevin Durant back, maybe for the playoffs this year. I doubt it, especially sitting at the eight seed. But they still get him back. And I don't know, maybe I'm just blind, but in the West it looks like an L.A. or bust coming out of the West for me. So maybe that's why I don't take the the West seriously. Or then maybe it's games like where the Rockets, you know, lose at home on Christmas Day. So it's just an interesting conference. Then you have, you know, the, the OKC Thunder sitting at the seventh seed after losing Russell Westbrook and Paul George. So to me, they don't have many threading teams. The Jazz clearly have regressed. The Blazers were the three seed last year, and they find themselves sitting at yeah. the 10 seed and pathetic this year. The Spurs uh, are looking like a shell of themselves usually. They might squeak into the playoffs, but still, you know, the Nuggets are good, but they're still just a young, slightly inconsistent team. They just seem like a regular season team to me. I would be absolutely shocked if anyone but an L.A. team came out of the West for the finals. Nonetheless, Greg, I'm going to get to one of my picks of the day. Sure. And it's actually a max play, Greg, for me. And it's the Indiana Pacers on a short line, minus one at home. Miami Heat are coming to town. The Miami Heat have the biggest home and road discrepancy in the NBA, Greg. 17-1 and at home. The best home record in the NBA. Second, or second behind them. Not far are the Bucks at eighteen and two, and the Sixers at seventeen and two. So I mean, the Bucks are right there. They have one more win and one more loss. Nonetheless, the Heat then dropped to nine and nine on the road. They're just playing five hundred basketball on the road. You know, the Pacers on the other hand, very similar. A great home team, fifteen and four at home, eight and ten on the road. Luckily for us, this game is taking place at Bankers Life. Fieldhouse in Indianapolis, which means the Pacers have home court advantage. Both of these teams come in well rested, you know, having a day off. The Pacers did heat having two days off. They both come in playing slightly shaky basketball. Pacers are two and three in their last five. Heat are three and two in their last five. And this is, you know, a slight revenge spot for the Pacers here last week or two, uh, excuse me, a week and a half ago, Friday, the December 27th. um, The, the Pacers lost at the heat. It was a close game, Greg. I don't know if you watched it or followed it. They lost by one and, and it was a hard fought game. And, you know, the home edge right there with the with the Heat just just propelled the the Heat to a victory. I think very similar game. Line is spot on. At the end of the day, home court, the crowd noise, the comfortability of home helps the Pacers edge out. And we don't see anything different between the Heat and Pacers home and road records that we've seen all season long, Greg. Yeah, it's a good look. No, a good handicap. Uh, and you've convinced me on it as well. I could definitely see myself adding this to my plays tonight. Uh, Pacers, uh, kind of a team that you, you, they they don't really have, even with Oladipo, they don't have that true superstar. So in order for them to rack up wins in the regular season, they got to show up every night and show up uh, to games like this where they can make those kinds of statements against uh, a team ahead of them in the standings. Always like those kinds of looks. Like I said, similar with Dallas where you get a team that is in the playoff hunt, but you don't know how seriously they're being taken. Well, now they get an opportunity to make that kind of statement. Dallas does that against them. 
Saturday night, and Indiana, if you're correct, will do the same. Anything yeah, else in the NBA just, that you're looking just, at? Yeah, just a note on that, too. I mean, I, I, Jimmy Butler is expected to play today, but remember, he did sit out last game Sunday against the Blazers. You know, he had, he had a back injury. He is probable to play today, but it's just something worth noting coming in, you know, with a with a, maybe a nagging back. Um, it, it's a little something to note for their top player, in my opinion. Yeah, I have something else in the NBA, Greg. Obviously, I'm already on the consensus on the Mavericks with you, Greg. But another play that I'm looking at is I'm also looking at the over in this Miami Heat and Pacers game, right? <clears throat> this game went over the total, went well over the total, excuse me, when they played last week, total of 211, the final was 225. Greg, we see an exact same total today. We see similar players, just a different location. No reason why it can't go over the total again, in my opinion. <clears throat> Indiana Pacers went over the total three straight. Miami Heat have went over the total three of their last five. And frankly, the Pacers have really just been in in, in, in a scoring groove, actually. They went over the total in their games, six of the last eight as well. So it's just another look here. I don't see what changes much other than locations. And if they went over the total by 15 points last game, you know, I think they can get it done again. Yeah, I don't hate it. Anytime you have that kind of uh, leeway on a total where it was, uh, you know, significantly over and, you know, it's maybe not completely accounted for, then then there's your edge right there. So um, I, I definitely don't hate the look, and uh, I certainly wish you nothing but the best in that one. Anything else to, before we get to the college hardwood? Uh, you know, Greg, not much else. There's some interesting games I see. You know, if you want to put together a parlay, the, the Jazz on the money line would be one. You're catching the Knicks, one of the worst teams in the NBA, on back-to-back road games. So, you know, the Jazz yeah. will easily win that at home. The Bucks on the road at the Warriors. Remember, these are the Bucks. They don't drop games like this. The Warriors are absolutely pathetic. Again, one of the worst teams in the NBA. I mean, they lost five straight. You know, so put those two together. And 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 look at the, and you can look at the Orlando Magic as well at home against the Wizards. The Magic play tough ball. The Wizards, you know, the Magics aren't a good team, but the Wizards are just worse. You can put those three together in a parlay, Greg, and 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 that's going to give you odds of minus two eighty. So those three, in my opinion, look like a free three legs of a parlay. If you wanted to put together them with someone else, I'm not advising you to do that. I'm just. I'm just helping you configure a parlay of the day. Take those three teams, slap them with one pick you like, and there you go. You got a nice little 14 parlay to have some fun tonight. Let's go to the college hardwood where this is where I have my most plays of the night. Still not a ton. I do have three games I'm looking at, uh, two plays in one game specifically, but I'm going to start with the North Carolina Tar Heels at home against the Pittsburgh Panthers in ACC play. And I actually am going to lay the points with North Carolina. Uh, right now, North Carolina is a four-and-a-half-point favorite, total of 139-and-a-half. I like the Tar Heels side because if you – and this is one thing I love to do uh, when handicapping is you 
look at press clippings or you look for any kind of bulletin board material, quotes, or, or, or what's the vibe coming out of the locker room. And I think there's a little bit of that here with North Carolina tonight in Chapel Hill. If you're not familiar with where I'm going with this, Roy Williams yesterday, uh, it was out that he said that this year's North Carolina team is the least gifted North Carolina team that he has ever had. And obviously, he has been at North Carolina for almost 20 years now. His first season was 2003-2004. So when he when a guy like that says something, you know, that is a pretty telling statement. And I, <laughs> listen, he, he's been coaching long enough where he knew what he was doing there. That was not just him saying we suck. And yeah, they're not that good this year. I will admit that. And that's why this still is just going to be a one-unit play because I, I'm having a hard time right now with the way North Carolina is playing, you know, and just with this kind of team that is devoid of the amount of talent that North Carolina normally has and no Cole Anthony. I can't wager much more than a unit on this, but I do think that the guys that are on that North Carolina team are going to respond to what Roy's statement was. And I think he was trying to fire him up. So I like North Carolina minus four and a half at home tonight. Greg, so you're going to laugh at me probably, but come on. We know how many teams there are in college basketball. So obviously it's hard to follow them all. I kid you not. After they won that game against UCLA. So UNC is sitting at eight and six. So after they won that game, they were, they would be sitting at seven and five. I kid you not, Greg. I saw UNC playing Yale. This was this was this was the first UNC. This was one of the first UNC games I've looked at all year. I guess I've okay. just been overlooking them, and I actually closed my app. You know, you know, iPhone. How you can fucking close? How you can close that? Excuse me. You can close the app, whatever. And I reset it because I thought there was an error. I said, "How can UNC be seven and five? I'm sitting here telling you that I actually yeah. haven't followed UNC basketball, and I was I was I was shocked. I could not believe it. Obviously, then I looked more into it. Other games, you know, I've seen. Cole Anthony, whatnot, all that. So I blindly took Yale against the spread because I seen how pathetic UNC was and I saw how great Yale has been against the spread. Yale plays hard. Those kind of games I like to I like to look at because you know Ivy Leagues, whether they're good or not, they get up for that game against UNC. You know, that's a big Absolutely. time opponent for them. It's Chapel Hill. That's a big time environment. Some of those players on Yale, that might be the most exciting game they play in their four years. You know, some seniors and whatnot. So I liked it. I wrote it. I won. UNC won by three, got the cover at six and a half. I go, okay, you know what? UNC's bad. Georgia Tech. Give me seven points. Thank you. Next. Easy. Georgia Tech won by 13 outright. I had them plus seven as a dog, Greg. So the past two games after seeing UNC, I blindly faded them. I'm telling you, I really did. I couldn't tell you one player UNC. I just could see the public perception of UNC. They're going to bounce back. They're going to bounce back. Greg, I'm sorry. I'm on the opposite side. I have to do it again. I don't see it. The talent's not there for me. Give me the four and a half with Pitt. Until this UNC team proves otherwise, I'm not going to bet on their their past. I'm not going to bet on their colors. I'm not going to bet on their logo. I'm going to bet on what I'm seeing in front of me. And I'm seeing a UNC team that is in a dark, dark place. And I'm taking four and a half. UNC might edge this game out. But 
I, I don't know if they're going to be able to cover the four and a half and win this game by five, Greg. Opposite sides, a little bit of a disagreement. Always healthy, Matt. Uh, let's go to another game. Where are you going next for the college hardwood tonight? Yeah, so I'm going to <clears> – I am actually going to Iowa State, uh, you know, James Hilton Coliseum. Well. Say it again. I, said I have a play on this game as well, so I'm curious if we're in James Hilton Coliseum in Ames, Iowa. Not as difficult as a place to play as their football field. I will add, nonetheless, when Kansas comes to town, it might be even more difficult, Greg. We talk about big games. We talk about statement games. When a blue blood team like Kansas walks into your arena with that number three hung next to their Jayhawks name, everything changes. The mentality, the day before changes, the night before, the sleep before, the breakfast you eat that morning. This is a different game, Greg. It just really is. The fans treat it differently. The coach treats it. Everyone treats it differently. Jayhawks coming to this game, maybe their most slightly vulnerable stretch we've seen uh, so far this season. Obviously dropped the one-point nail-biter game at Nova. Come back. You know, they win big against Stanford, but then they play a close conference game only win by seven don't cover the number against West Virginia meanwhile Iowa State with the home edge here give me Iowa State plus four and a half and you can look for them to pull off the 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 upset of the Kansas Jayhawks at home here I really I really think it's possible yeah I actually agree with you I like the Iowa State side as well at home normally when you see a, a seven and six team like this Iowa State uh you know still going to be in the mix to perhaps make the NCAA tournament this year. Uh, but Hey, at seven and six, they probably better get moving on that soon because uh, obviously uh, you can't hang around 500 and play into the middle of March. But all that said, anytime you see a seven and six team only getting four and a half points against the number three team in the nation, it's normally too good to be true. This happens to be, like you said, a tough place to play. And, oh, by the way, guess what's next for Kansas? Matt, do you know? I don't, Greg. I'm going to assume it's a slight look-ahead game and it's they have a, a big massive game next. game at home against the Baylor Bears. Both of those teams right now are top five in the AP poll. Kansas, number three. Baylor, number four. At Fog Allen Fieldhouse. Now, Greg, uh, so- how, much, how much stock do you put into a look-ahead game in basketball Knowing, <clears throat> let me let me finish for a second. Sure. Knowing that the difference between college football, one loss and you could be eliminated from the playoffs, and a loss in college basketball essentially, you know, means nothing because realistically, if you play great basketball in April for the whole month of April, and you end up in the top five, and you make some noise in your conference tournament, you're gonna be a one or two seed, kind of regardless of what. Not regardless, but what would that one loss back in January really mean? You you know what I'm saying? That's why I think you can put more stock into look-ahead spots in basketball because, like you said, Kansas loses this game, and then they beat beat Baylor by double digits. I don't think anybody's looking differently at Kansas, right? Uh, You know, and so I do think that the look-ahead element is more uh, prevalent in college basketball, whereas college football – you know, you lose once, and Oklahoma was you very— mean it's more, You mean it's more prevalent in college football? Uh, well, 
I meant prevalent in college basketball in the sense of like considering it as a real thing that's going to get teams. Because I don't know that it's going to get teams in football. Because if you look ahead and you lose a game in college football, then you your college football playoff hopes, depending well, on well, what. Well, Greg, just playing. to clarify, also the look ahead spot in football a lot of times is more so when you're truly outmatched by the team. Like the best sandwich spots are when you know you got Bama playing someone in their. Th- Five touchdown favorites. Sure. In- okay, so if you're just talking about covering the spread, yes. Yeah, I, I, the points, the points. I hear what you're saying, but straight up, I mean, listen, in college football, if you lose once, depending on the conference you play in, if it's a weak enough conference, you're not going to get in the college football playoff. And oh, we saw that with Oklahoma. They were very fortunate to make the playoff after losing to Kansas State. They needed quite a few things to go their way, and it did work out in their favor uh, and then we saw them get truly exposed against LSU. Uh, but I, I think from a straight up, you know, and, and I do think, like you said, Kansas could lose this game outright tonight uh, because uh, even if they do, but like I said, then beat Baylor by double digits. I don't think the perception around Kansas changes as much, especially the way we've seen top five, top 10 teams go down the first two months of the season. They've been dropping like flies. Especially since just the, <clears throat> the perception of basketball, you know, it's a little more up and down. We understand, you know, out of, I mean, we see in the NBA out of 82 games, you know, you're not going to win 80 games as opposed to in college football, the best teams win every single game they play right. in the regular season. So it's just, it's just a different kind of season and a different kind of sport in that aspect. But I'm happy, so, nonetheless, I'm happy we're in agreement on Iowa State here at Iowa home State against Kansas Jayhawks. Plus the points, and I'm also going to look to take the Kansas team total under because I do think that that look-ahead angle might also result in Kansas coming out a little sluggish and not necessarily uh, being as efficient offensively. So just another look on this game. I have one more pick in college basketball, uh, and I'll take you uh, to the Red River rivalry, this time on the hardwood. That's right, the Oklahoma Sooners and the Texas Longhorns are playing tonight. And uh, this is just kind of a system play. This game is in Austin. I, I normally like unders in big rivalry games. You would anticipate those walk-ons and those lower-level players. This is the biggest game of their lives. And therefore, those are the kinds of guys that, you know, the bottom rotation guys that maybe aren't the most talented players. Therefore, you're not expecting them to score as much. But when they do get on the floor, they're going to go full balls-to-the-wall effort on defense in a game like this. This is why you go to Oklahoma. This is why you go to Texas to beat the other opponent along the Red River. Uh, So I I think that just naturally I'm going to like to play unders in these kinds of games. Uh, Seeing the total sitting at 136.5, I will play that under, expecting the winner of this game to be be at about 65 points. Yeah, Greg, I don't hate that. I have two more quick total plays that I'm going to rattle off. Um, I'm going under in the Wisconsin-Illinois game. We know Wisconsin typically plays a slow pace of basketball. They've went under in three straight games. Illinois went under four out of the last five. And, you know, Illinois, frankly, they actually um, play pretty solid defense. I've I've seen this team play. They're a pretty scrappy team. And I think this could be, you know, a Big Ten matchup here, obviously, like you said, not as big rivals as, you know, Texas and Oklahoma, but nonetheless still a Big Ten matchup on <clears throat> uh, tonight going off. And I, I like the total under there, 125. Uh, one more quick total I have is 
coming out of the SEC, Mississippi State, Alabama over 155 and a half. You know, flip the script. These two teams play fast-paced. Mississippi State going over four last five. Alabama going over four straight and four of the last five as well. Uh, something to note down here as well. Alabama is 5-0 and to the against the number of the last five games. Uh, I actually luckily somehow won on the, them last week, plus seven and a half, where they ended up losing by six to the Florida Gators. I don't know if you remember that game, but that was a low-scoring NBA game, Greg. The final was 104 to 98, so that soared over the total. I mean, that was a <clears throat> ridiculous. I mean, the total was at 150 there, so their games are flying over the total. It is all gas, no breaks in these Alabama games, and Mississippi State can score points, so this is going to be a back-and-forth battle all night long. Ping-pong here, Greg. Alrighty, I don't hate either one of those plays, and I definitely could see what you're saying with that Mississippi State over, uh, you know, just uh, kind of fun shootout type game. Uh, against... I mean, yeah, you, you. By the way, you can note down that obviously the Florida Gators game went to double overtime, but still, nonetheless, I mean, a hundred or excuse me, oh. over two hundred, over two hundred points is still. Well, I was going to say at the end of regulation, that probably had to be in the one fifties, right, or higher than that, maybe. Um, I mean, yeah, there was there was. There was only thirty six points scored in uh in 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 the the two overtimes combined, right? So so yeah, yeah it was uh it was a hundred a hundred sixty six you know so sure. still still sixteen points over the total after after regulation, right? Let's wrap things up on the ice, and there's only three games today, and I am just going to go to uh, a game featuring a pair of Canadian teams, and I am going to look to play uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs. I'm not playing them on the full game money line. Uh, a little too juicy for my liking at minus $1.86. They are hosting the Winnipeg Jets. Instead, I'm going to play them on the three-way to win in regulation. At uh, I'm seeing about minus 130. I can get this at a uh, simple one for me here. Toronto. Yo, Greg, by the way, full consensus here as well. This, this was one of my plays as well. Good to hear. And, hey, we've had a little bit of disagreement and uh, so good amount of agreement as well on similar games, which always makes the pot a little more intriguing. Toronto, off of a bad loss against the Edmonton Oilers, uh, you know, another Canadian team. And I know that Edmonton is from the other side of the country. But I think anytime, you know, it is Canada's sport, and anytime you lose like that to a team in your country, uh, when it's a sport as important as hockey is to Canada, I'm just always going to expect these teams, especially like Toronto, a team that, uh, has high expectations with a lot of their young forwards. Uh, I expect them to get back up and play much better tonight against a Winnipeg team that is also in the middle of a road trip. Winnipeg opened the road trip with an overtime win in Minnesota, then won at Montreal on January the 6th, Monday night. Uh, so now they continue this road trip in Toronto. They wrap it up tomorrow in Boston. So the front end of a back-to-back Another angle to look at there, uh, you know, ha- sometimes the we always look at the second leg of the back-to-back is when you want to fade the teams, but sometimes it's the first leg that can produce the same result. Uh, so I like the Toronto Maple Leafs uh, to bounce back and, and Winnipeg, who has, oh, by the way, not just is in the middle of a road trip, but <clears throat> both of the games so far on the road trip, one goal games and the Minnesota game went to overtime. So I, I think Toronto here uh, is the side. <clears throat> yeah. I, like I said, full consensus here. I expect them, you know, a team that was rolling to 
bounce back at home off of that home loss against the Oilers. Uh, Like you said, Winnipeg has slightly been struggling here. You know, they're also, this is also Winnipeg's. They've won the first two games of the road trip. Winnipeg? Yes. Uh, They lost, they lost to the Wild. So they're they're one on one on the, on the yeah they they lost that game. <clears throat> yeah so one, they're one yeah. on one on this road trip and this is also yeah. their fifth road game in in six in in six right. games you know they had that one game obviously against the Leafs where they lost last week <clears throat> excuse me on the second at Toronto and you know they're coming back to Toronto I don't see anything changing here Greg any more picks on the ice for you uh that's it are you uh, just one last question for you i'm assuming are you doing the same thing taking the leafs in regulation yeah leafs in regulation uh i i have minus 115 there greg and okay. i actually do have one more play on the on the ice if, go ahead um, i if, don't have that's it for me if you don't mind greg i am looking at over in the flyers game and i'm also looking at flyers on the money line our hometown philadelphia flyers sure. Uh, Capitals over five straight games, Flyers over four straight games, <clears throat> you know, and frankly, the Flyers defense just hasn't been all that this year. They've been winning high scoring games. And this is also just a slight system play here. You know, the Capitals come in on a three game winning streak. The Flyers come in on a four game losing streak. It's just a, just a slight bounce back spot here at home for the Flyers. I like the over and the dog at home here, Greg. Yeah, and I'll just say on that, no play for me on this game, but I obviously, as you mentioned, I am a Flyers fan. And uh, under Elaine Vigneault, the new coach this year, they have shown a good tendency to bounce back after two, three, I think four. This is probably their longest losing streak of the year. They just seem to— I believe this uh, is their longest losing streak of the year. Yeah, and, and it was the end of a long road trip, so now they come back home in a big rivalry game. As I said, they've bounced back well. They haven't had that many long skids. I actually had them last night thinking they'd bounce back in a decently big game for the first week of January against Carolina, and unfortunately, they were up 2 nothing, and then they came back from down 4-2 and lost the game in overtime. Pretty crazy game, but also speaks to your look at the over. So uh, I don't hate either one of those plays. I am going to sit this game out, but um, if I had to play it uh, side total, I I would be in agreement with you. So, Matt, that is going to wrap things up for us here on a Wednesday edition of Full Slate. Looking forward to talking plenty of pigskin with you for the weekend. Yes, sir, Greg. I can't wait. Uh, My picks for the NFL Divisional Round are already out on my Twitter. I will... However, be breaking down every single play on our podcast coming out this Friday. So you're definitely going to want to tune in for that because I guarantee 12-0 and on my card, and I don't <laughs> see anything less than that. The large majority of my picks are out as well. Might have an ad or two as we get closer to the weekend, but as we said, we'll go through it all here on Full Slate, a Blue Wire Gambling Podcast. Matt, thanks a lot. We'll talk to you soon. Yes, sir. Everybody enjoy the rest of your hump day. And if you're tailing our picks, first, thank you. And second, please play responsibly. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in a new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series now streaming on Showtime. 